0: of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that, but we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others.
1: Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them.
0: And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Doing righteousness, that's
1: a Bible word I don't really use. But what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even
0: mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice.
1: So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life.
0: Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here, in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these
1: words mean for the prophets, like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free. But he thwarts the way
0: of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and
1: righteousness is a big deal to God.
0: Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up, as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rashad, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves.
1: So we all participate in injustice, actively or
0: passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet... He died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them.
1: The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways.
0: Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others.
1: This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making
0: other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah, God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God.
2: What a great video. That video really speaks to the conversation that we've been in. We've had multiple conversations with multiple friends, pastors, talking about, What is happening in our world? I think most of us here would admit that we want to be a part of the solution. And the question is, where does it begin? There's many things that I've never had to think about, never had to worry about um, in in my situation. Walk into certain places and I don't have to think the same thoughts and worry about the same things that certain friends have just because of their skin color or because of their socioeconomic stature. So because of those things, we want to say... As Christians, as believers, where does it begin? And I love the story of the British newspaper that sent out an inquiry to famous authors. And they asked the question, what is wrong with the world? Well, G.K. Chesterton, he responded this. Dear sir, I am, period. Yours, G.K. Chesterton. I am. I'm the issue. It's me. Right. And I think that's where we have to start. That's where the conversation Has to begin. See, Jesus is going to pinpoint the heart issue and the head issue in a parable. It all starts with a question. Luke, I want you to kind of stay put and keep your thinking caps on because we want to look at this passage through the lens of what we're experiencing right now. Luke chapter ten and twenty-five says this: On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? That's an interesting question. How do you read it? How do you perceive it? What's your understanding of it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Watch this. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? I want you to think about this. He wants to justify himself. So he's trying to find a loophole in love. Love God, love your neighbor. But, all right, Jesus, who really is my neighbor? The loophole in love. Is there a loophole in love, the kind of love? The direction that love flows. So Jesus replies and says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Some translation says, had compassion on him. And so because he has compassion, he goes down and begins to bandage his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Now, Jesus asked this question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So Jesus is going to take this lawyer's curveball... And he's going to throw him another curveball. He's going to introduce a story that the, that the lawyer is going to have to process three different people who respond to the need of a man three different ways. What if we, in the next few minutes, God wants to speak to our hearts so we can look in the mirror and say, I am the problem. I am the problem. Heavenly Father, we give you permission to, to get your spotlight bright. And shine it into the deep recesses of our hearts and make known the racism, the lack of ethics, the cognitive bias, the prejudices that lie deep inside of us, the muscle memory of doing or not doing, acting or not acting, even reacting. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you give us insight and revelation according to your will. And we ask this in Jesus' name name. So the story is kind of well-known, Jerusalem to Jericho going downhill. It's a Fast paced walk. It's down, downhill, 3,000 feet up to uh, below sea level, 1,000 feet, 4,000 feet dispari- the disparity between Jerusalem and Jericho, going down, down, down. This road was called the Pass of Blood. This is a dangerous road. This is, this is not some arbitrary story. This is very well known to, to everybody that people fall among thieves on this road. So the story of the priest and the Levite is not one of just, oh my goodness, something big has happened. I've got to respond and take an Instagram picture. This is the story of this happens all the time. We see this problem all the time. Every day when we're passing by, there's somebody hurting and there's, there's always going to be somebody. And it's easy for us to, to willfully become blind to the everyday need. A priest comes by and he Goes the other side. Of course, he's probably washed himself in the temple, prepared himself to go do ministry in Jericho. So he's got to do the work of the Lord. He's probably like, don't worry about it. Not a big deal. You know, I have have African-American friends and I go to a church that has every, you know, I've done my part. Walks around. Then you got the Levite who is the, he's the JV priest, you know. He's not doing ministry, but he's helping those who are doing ministry. He goes the other side. And then there's a man, a Samaritan, the, the, the one who is the oddball in the story. He's the one that nobody loves, nobody likes in the narrative. He's the one that's on the other side of the road. And he's the one who, while seeing the man, stoops down and gets to this man's broken level. And I just want to tell you, like at the beginning of this message, I want you to understand that kenosis is the beginning of all reconciliation and restoration. The Bible says that Christ, who being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself and became a servant. We cannot make a difference until we're willing to leave a place and enter into a different place. So we're able to, to enter into a conversation, to enter into a circle, into a sphere, and understand and experience it. Jesus could save us because he experienced what we experience. This is the whole gospel. I was, I was uh, just blessed to be able to talk to some friends and say, just let me see, let me feel. I want to know what you experience. I don't want to willfully be blind to what the world is in your experience. Things that I've never experienced before. We go into a bank, I keep my hands out. When I get pulled over, this is my experience. And it's not just black and white. It, it, it's on so many different levels. Tell me your experience. How can I be a blessing? How can I learn? How can I grow if I'm not willing to stoop down? If I'm not willing to go low? If I'm not willing to kenosis, to empty myself like Jesus did. He entered into our broken world and said, we're all going to go up. I'm bringing the whole thing up. The tide is going up. This is, the, this is at the heart of the ministry of the church. This is not a political thing. This is not a right and left. This is not a red and blue. This is, this is not my, my rights and amendments. This is not about that. This is about what does it look like to be a Christian? What does it look like to follow Jesus? That's the question. I don't care about being right or wrong. I, I care about pleasing my heavenly father. What is the nature of what I follow? James chapter 2 and, and 9 says this. But if you favor some people... Over others, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. Can I just say we're all guilty of that? We're all guilty of of kind of filling spaces with people we're comfortable with. For choosing tables where I, 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 I know how to converse in this world. I know how to speak this language. I know how to act a certain way. And not purposely tearing down those barriers. Because it's not just about... It's not just about, hey, I didn't kill the guy. I'm all right. Because what we do is we justify our inactions. In fact, there's, there's a lot of technical terms like illusionary superiority. We, we always think of ourselves in the superior way. So we would say something like this. Well, at least I wasn't the one who killed him or hurt him. I'm not that guy. I mean, I may have walked by, but I'm not the one who hurt him. Or they also have this euphoric recall where a, a person looks back at their past and it's always better than it really was. This happens a lot with people who are on drugs or or, or, or have uh, substance abuse. They'll they'll have an act. They're drunk and they have an accident. They run off the road, hit a tree, and they they survive. And they look back at that instead of going, "That was a terrible time, and I had to make a change." They look back and go, "I survived drunk driving. I'm a survivor." They look at the past differently, and we we do this all the time. We go, "Man, you know what? I I know some people who are another race. I I, I, I go to a church that's multicultural." but we've never had a conversation. We've never entered into their world. So we, it's, it's rose-colored glasses. It's, it's I'm okay. And, and, and just like G, G.K. Chesterton, what's the problem with the world? It's me. There's some stuff in my heart that's in all of our heart. There's some bias, and there's some ethical issues, and, and it's in all of us. And if it's not in you, great, but I know it's in me. It's deep in the recesses of my life, and it starts with heart. It starts with looking and repenting and saying, I have been that one who has passed by, who could have done something. Again, this is not a political statement. This is a Christian statement. This is a Jesus statement. (laughs) Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, it's not the hideousness of evil men that destroys us. It's the silence of good men that just look away. How many times have we just looked away? There's a great challenge because relationships are the hardest thing on the planet. It's easy to do all the the Christian things and show up and do this and put the bumper sticker and what would Jesus do? It's a lot harder to invest in relationships that are complex and hard. He said, You gotta love your brother. Those are the people that are like you. Love your neighbor, people that are not like you, and love your enemy, people who dislike you. And I gotta love all of them. And I gotta understand all of them. I gotta process this correctly. I'm not saying it's easy, I'm just saying that we're compelled by the word of God and by the cross to do it, to do it. And it requires action, not just compassion. It requires action. I want to be a part of the solution. Where does it begin? It begins with me, right here. It begins with the next action I can take, coming to understand what's wrong. How can I help? There's something powerful. They talk about mirroring. It's what happens with babies, is one of the most important things that happens in a, in a, in a baby and child's life. When the baby's hurt, uh, baby's crying, and the parent comes running over, and the parent isn't laughing, the parent makes the same face, <gasps> are you okay? Or if you're my mom, <gasps> Chad, are you okay? You're the best kid ever, please be with us forever. Anyways, she loved me a lot, and maybe too much, but I love you, mom. Or if you're, so, you know, you're, you're a little kid, and, and you, you feed yourself for the first time with that spoon, a little yogurt. And your parents, ah, and you're smiling, they're smiling, it's mirroring, it's an important thing that happens. And it's, it's, it goes deep, it's psychological. So when someone's telling me their pain, when someone's weeping, and I don't mirror them, I have no hope of bridging that gap. The Bible says, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. So if someone's weeping, and there's ill that's ha- befallen upon them, and I'm rejoicing, that's Good, you know it's good for me good for us that's a that's a, a problem internally or if someone's rejoicing they're doing good oh i don't like when they're doing good it's not a good that you're violating the bible weep with those who i got to come down i got to i got to enter into your world are you how do i raise you how do we lift this conversation how do we raise this up he brought him up and put him on his donkey why because he had compassion it starts in the heart. The word in the Greek for compassion is splagma. I'm not making this up, splagma. <laughs> just, there's so much splagma everywhere. Just feeling splagma. It means pity from your deepest soul. It's, I can't keep going, I have to stop. I can't just keep going on like everything's okay. I have to stop. God wants us to pause. I think we're at a moment where we got to pause. Again, I, I'm not saying that the answer is easy. I'm not saying that there's not complexity to it all. But I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. I'm going to understand. I'm not going to be the fool. And there are wounds that go deep, and I believe God wants to heal them. There are things that I've done, whether I knew it or didn't know it. Walk by. And became willing, willfully blind. I will not do it again. First John chapter 4 and 20 says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he's not seen. It's just there's a there's a dissonance there, there's there's a breakdown there. You become the liar, you're living duplicity. Uh, you're 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 saying one thing but acting another way. You can't really love God and hate your neighbor. It doesn't work that way. We have to go back to the heart. And then we get to the heart. Now we got to go to the head. Now there's muscle memory. I got to learn to connect. I got to learn to. To, to, to take the step. And, th- and again, this is not just skin color. This, this may be socioeconomic cl- You know, the, 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 the stratus and who's in your world. If everyone in your world, in your circle, looks like you, talks like you, thinks like you, maybe God wants to break that world apart and, and, and start making that circle bigger and including other people. Jesus was the king at getting people to the table who didn't belong to the table. Why does he eat with sinners? He had, we like to say, dinners with sinners. Jesus, every night, dinners with sinners. Well, you're a rabbi. rabbis is done. That's not the circle. You should be w- talking and pontificating with other rabbi. No, he broke all those walls down and said, come on, everyone's welcome at the table. Let's have a conversation. I, I don't know if you guys got to see this or not, but SpaceX uh, last week uh, went and launched and went into the outer space. I thought it was super cool, super amazing. How many got to see that? How many got to see that? All right. It, it was pretty spectacular. The, the coolest thing was seeing the two astronauts sitting, and they had touchscreens. I mean, back in the Apollo days, it was like buttons that you, you know, it's like click, 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 click. I think we're okay now. You know, now it's like touch. They're watching Netflix on the way up. They're just like, okay, what are we going to watch? we got, we got a couple hours, you know. It was amazing. I mean, the, the technology and the advancement. But you know what didn't change? The dock port. The dock port that connects to the International Space Station. You can't change that. They had to build it to make the right connection. Well, that dock port circle, we want to go square. We want to go rectangle. Let's go triangle. can't do it. It has to be the same shape. And sometimes we have to, we have to change ourselves to be able to link and connect. And that's what the Samaritan did. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 21 says this, When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can do to save some. I must change to make the connection. I must change to learn. I must change to perceive correctly, God, what are you doing in this unique situation? Well, I can't do a lot. Well, in the words of Hudson Taylor, the the great missionary to China in the early 1800s, he says, a little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in a little thing becomes a big thing. It's the little thing. It's the little expression. It's the one conversation that begins to move us down the road. I love this statement here. Those who have experienced the gospel and have been truly born again develop an uncontrollable impulse of generosity and an insane ability to forgive. I believe that. I believe when the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, it It changes our world from just being myopic and me. But learning that I've been giving something great, and now I want to give that same grace and love and mercy and conversation. Just as Christ has done it for me, now I will do it for others. I will bridge the gap. And I will not ask the question, what happens to me if I don't help him? That was the wrong question. The priest, the Levite, what happened? Am I going to be okay? Hey, what, the loophole, hey, now, if I don't help him, am I going to be okay? Can I still love God, love people? The right question is, what happens to him if I don't help him? What happens to him if I don't do anything? If I don't step in, if I don't step up, if I don't say something? I just believe that the church should be leading the cause because this is Christian. This is what Christianity looks like. Hard conversations. We're coming out of the corners. We're coming out from from hiding, and we're saying, we're not afraid to admit it. It started with me. What's the problem with the world? I am, and I'm willing to change. I can show what it means to be Christ-like when he humbled himself, entered into the picture, and became a servant so hearts and lives could be changed. That is Christianity, and it's a high calling, and it demands a lot from all of us, and it's a huge inconvenience. He inconvenienced himself. He pushed pause on his busy life and said, I want to enter into this man's world, and I want to be a part of a solution, one at a time. So I want to challenge you today. Whatever social norms or whatever inner hurts that you bring to this conversation, I want to first say this, that healing begins with confession and receiving the Holy Spirit in your heart to really allow healing to happen deep inside. We learn a lot of bad habits, heart and head, a lot of muscle memory of what to do, what not to do, where to go, where not to go. This is the way it is. This is just the way it is. I go, there's people I know. I I know some black people. I don't know. This is just the way it is. I'm going to tell you God wants to break all those constructs down. He wants to break all those walls down, and he wants the church to be one so the world could be one. It's a broken world, but don't let it be a broken church. Lord, bring unity. All those lines of demarcation, gone in Jesus' name. We all stand equal. We are all bearers of the image of God. Let's say yes to doing better. Let's say yes to raising the banner. Let's say yes to calling out the sin of racism. Let it not exist in this house. Let it not exist in this heart. Let it not not exist in our world. Would you bow your heads with me and can we pray? Can we pray an honest prayer that searches our heart and examines the trickery of the heart that says, I'll find a loophole to get out of the inconvenience. I wish I could put together a a four-point plan of how to heal a nation what has to happen in sequence but what I do know must happen must begin in my heart I must fully examine my heart and realize there are people who have been slighted been hurt and their stories should not just live inside of them but in the name of Jesus we pull up to the table and say tell us Because listening, confession, and forgiveness is the way to healing. Heavenly Father, right now, I ask in the name of Jesus, every person in this room and every person listening online, that you would just let compassion hit our hearts. Let us weep again. Let us feel again. Don't let us willfully be blind and become numb to the world. I know there's a lot, there's so much information, there's so much, we're overstimulated with the information, I get it, but when we're on the same road, and it's within a touch, within a reach, I'm going to say yes to standing up, to stepping up, to making a difference stepping outside of my norms, my social norms. God, you are challenging us, challenging us. Lord, you're calling us to be the beacon of light, the church, the global church, to be a beacon of light. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation represented in your body. We are one. We are one. It begins, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Let it start with us. Let it start with us. Forgive me, Lord. Search my heart. Help me renew my mind to think like you thought, Lord. When disciples wanted to call down fire on Samaritans. No, you don't know what spirit you're of. That's not how we do it here. He spoke up. That's not the spirit by which I'm bringing into the world. Heal us today. Forgive me today. Forgive me for bias. Forgive me for... For racism, Forgive me, Lord, for, for pulling and bringing slack and lack into, into relationships because they were inconvenient or inconvenient. Lord, help me to, to enlarge my circle and bring in those who I don't fully understand. But I say you're part of the family. Become be a part of my world. I want to sit at the same table with you. I want to understand. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to make a difference. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we search our hearts. Come on, let's lift our hands right where you are at home. Would you lift your hand? Just receive it right now. It's not an easy subject. It's not about politics. It's not about being an American. It's about being a follower of Jesus. Search our hearts. Search our hearts. Search our hearts. Renew our minds. Renew our minds. Renew our minds. Bring justice, bring justice, bring healing, bring hope. Loose it right now, loose it right now. And I want to pray for all those who don't know the Lord, but I want you to know that He humbled Himself, He kenosis, He emptied Himself. He came into your world, He bled and He died on a cross so you could you could enter into a true relationship with God for eternity. There was a debt that was paid on your behalf and you don't have to walk through this world in your pain and your shame anymore. Jesus loves you. Our Heavenly Father is calling you home right now into His presence. Just say yes. Open your heart and say, I believe in Jesus. I repent of my sins. I believe He died for me and He rose again on the third day. And I believe He's poured out His Spirit into the world to change hearts, to give us freedom and forgiveness and hope. We will never be the same in Jesus' name. Come on, say it with me one more time. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. Keep your hearts open. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And be obedient in Jesus' name.
3: Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. We are so glad that you made it. If this was your first time, let us know. You can fill out a digital Next Steps card and get connected to life-changing community today. If it's on your heart to give this weekend, we are so grateful. But at the Promise Center, we will never tell you what to give, how much to give. We only say, ask God and be obedient to that. And we are so grateful to all of the generous donations that we have received to continue to impact our community, not just locally, but globally. This concludes our weekend experience, but that does not end our experience of community for the week. We have Tuesday discussion small groups that are an amazing way to not only dive deeper into sermons, but to grow in our community and find love with our church family. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend and we will see you next weekend for Church at Home.